0: You know, now, like, kind of looking back on it, I'm like, oh, I've always been a kind of a angry person, (laughs) but I, you know, I don't know. I thought I was like a patient person, um, at least a nice person, you know, when I thought about what I would be like as a dad, um, I very much imagined uh, like cool dad, right? Playful dad, you know, like, that's like the dad of TV commercials, right? You know, but in in practice, in mean, my experience, that's that wasn't what I was like.
1: I'm Jordan Kistner, author of the essay collection Thin Places, and this is Thresholds, a weekly series of conversations with writers and artists about moments of epiphany or transformation that changed their lives and their work, a moment that they stepped across like a threshold into something new, and the way that experience changed everything they wrote afterward. Most of the parenting advice books ever written have been written by men for women, men telling mothers how to mother. There are fewer of those books by women and still fewer books by fathers investigating their own experience of parenting. Keith Gessen just published his own memoir of fatherhood called Raising Raffi, The First Five Years. Gessen finds fatherhood to be a series of tough confrontations with himself. He thought he'd be a fun, mellow dad. Turns out he's a worrying dad, and then a yelling dad. Turns out his toddler makes him angry. Keith is Russian, and to his surprise, he wants Raffi, his son, to be interested in sports and to speak Russian, despite his mixed feelings about his home country and his hope that Rafi never goes to Russia. It's a funny, revealing dive into parenting. It's Gasson's third book. He's also written two novels, All of the Sad Young Literary Men, and more recently the novel, A Terrible Country. He's a founder of N Plus One and a New Yorker contributor. We got to talk about his dive into the history of parenting advice books, his reckoning with the taboo of paternal anger and his son's reaction to the memoir. Here's Keith.
0: Like, Why did I write this book, right? <laughs> And I can I mean I but I so I can answer that for myself, right? There's a kind of personal reason, like I just found it so interesting when Rafi was, you know, especially um when he became a little older. Like I didn't I didn't find him that interesting when he was an infant. Um it, I definitely found it to be an interesting experience to, to you know and a and a worrying and terrifying experience. Um but also occasionally an interesting one. And then as he got older, there were all these choices that we had to make um, that I found interesting and challenging and confusing um, and agonizing, right? And the the first one was, do I speak Russian to him? Um, If I do that, where does that lead? Um, Am I like burdening him with all this terrible stuff? Is he end up? Is he going to end up going to Russia? <laughs> um, which, you know, even when I was writing that essay, uh, you know, three or four years ago, um, even then it was, you know, Russia wasn't uh, doing that great, and and wasn't necessarily a place where you wanted your three year old to go. Um, and now, of course, it's definitely a place you don't want your seven year old to go. Um, so so. But like that's the kind of um reason that i wrote it my, my kind of personal reason for writing it um but uh the, but then i was i was thinking like okay but what what were the historical conditions <laughs> um that uh would lead a dude like me to write a book like this in the very beginning i i i uh, had this funny conversation with my dad about um my second grade teacher, who I adore um, and have, have you know, um, kind of incredibly kept in touch with uh, many, many years um, after I graduated second grade, um, actually now 40 years. It was 40 years ago that I was in second grade. Um, and I had, uh, for one of these essays, I had actually uh, called her up to interview her about education And then I had this conversation with my dad about it. And I said, guess who I, guess who I recently spoke with? Miss Lynch. And he said, who's that? And and I said, my second grade teacher. Um, And he said, oh yeah, I, I, you know, I, I I don't remember her. I don't, I never met her. And I said, well, how how is that possible? Surely you, you um, attended a parent teacher conference and met her. And he just laughed and he said, no, I was at work. And um, so I I found that kind of amazing because um, for me, like I go to all the parent-teacher conferences, they're they're an unmissable event (laughs) Um, because I get so much information about my kid. And um, yeah, and for my dad, it was like, he's like, no, I was at the office. Like, that's not what your mom did then right? And that's just struck me as really interesting. Um, And I don't think my dad, uh, even though he was this Soviet immigrant who worked a lot, but like, I don't think he was anomalous uh, for his generation um, for, uh, you know, not going to the parent-teacher conferences. And I don't think I'm anomalous in my generation of of parents, of dads, who do go to parent-teacher conferences. I certainly do know dads who like don't do that kind of thing, but I know a ton of dads who do um you know whether you know i know some dads who are like the main kind of you know pick up drop off interface with the school um but uh you know cuz cuz their wives are kind of the, the high earner in the family but um you know mo- most families that we kind of know through our kids are or and the kind of people that we like to hang out with <laughs> are um you know kind of two earner families, um, uh, in which the dad, um, you know, tries to kind of do his fair share and, um, you know, he's very involved, um, with, with, uh, raising the kids. And I do think that's kind of new, um, for dads. So th- so that's kind of one condition of writing this book as being part of this. And I think of it as a kind of transitional generation. I still think there's a lot of um, inequality, including in my relationship, um, in my household. (laughs) Um, And, you know, uh, maybe someday in the future, there'll be total equality. Um, But I do think we've kind of moved, uh, you know, moved away or past the, the the kind of gender relationships that existed in our parents' generation. The other kind of, you know, the the other thing around it is, is um, that has come up, you know, partly because I'm I'm married to a writer, Emily Gould, um, who has written wonderfully about our kids and the experience of motherhood. Um, So I was in the situation where, you know, I was married to someone who uh, was a really good writer about our kids. <laughs> um, and, you know, so whose story then is this to tell? Um, and kind of looking at it more historically, there's kind of this wonderful, there's this uh, wonderful book by um, a writer named Anna Halbert, uh called Raising America, where she goes back And it's one of those ideas where you're like, oh, how is it that no one has had this idea before? It's such a brilliant idea. Um, But she she goes and she goes back to the uh, beginning of the 20th century, end of the 19th century, and then reads um, and does these interesting kind of biographical uh, readings of all the most kind of influential and popular um, authors of parenting advice. Um, and one of the striking things um, about all these experts uh, is that they're all men, <laughs> um, and you know, and and this—that's not the point of the book, but it's it's one of the kind of aspects of the book, right? And it's you know, it's it's basically men addressing uh, women who are raising children, and so this is kind of in itself uh, a problematic situation we would, we, we now know, <laughs> um, you know, and one of, one of the really kind of, uh, it's, it's a brilliant book, but one of the, one of its brilliant observations is, um, in each, that in each generation, um, of kind of, or in each decade of, of parenting guru, um, there tend to be, uh, you know, the, the two kind of, there, there tend to be, the, there tends to be like a debate between. The two uh, big parenting gurus in each generation, and one of them um, is always um, really hard. Meaning, he, you know, he he said he tells mothers like, "Don't coddle your child. Don't um, you know?" There, there was one guy who was a behavior early behaviorist, um, uh, uh, advice giver <laughs> um, who you know, was like, w- w- mothers kiss their children too much. It's a problem. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it was that kind of, so that's, those are the hard ones. They're like, you need to like discipline your kids and like set clear limits with them. And then there was the soft advisor who's like, you know, you need to spend time with your kids. You need to uh, breastfeed your kids. You, like, you know, um, the, the most recent one is this guy, William Sears, who's a, um uh uh he's the founder of the attachment parenting school and he you know it's all you know breastfeed uh keep your kid on your body as much as possible um and so uh each generation has these kind of this you know a, a hard guy and a soft guy and you know and and like only really only in the like last few years have you seen the emergence of um like really kind of um authoritative uh female experts on on various subjects uh, around um you know whether it's sleep training um there's a woman named janet kennedy who wrote a really good book on on sleep training i think it's called the, the good sleeper um um kind of the most famous i would say uh, up until like just a few years ago like up until like two years ago um uh parenting guru uh was a woman named Emily Oster, who um is an economist and at Brown who who wrote these three books. Um but one the main one is is uh her first book um in which she was like, you know, we're told all this stuff about, you know, pregnancy. The first one was about uh pregnancy. Um we're told all this stuff like you shouldn't you know eat this and you shouldn't drink alcohol. Um But uh let's look at what the actual studies like she actually just she's like i'm an economist i um you know can kind of think about these things from like that perspective but i can also um, look at studies and tell you whether they were well designed whether they were poorly designed and um and i can kind of like adjudicate some of these debates and you know her kind of um you know, I think a, a very important contribution was basically she um, argued that you know the kind of prohibition or like the, the uh, disapproval on alcohol is mm-hmm. on, on, on alcohol during pregnancy is you know counterproductive and pre-sexist. Um so, so you have this this kind of long male uh, long history of like male advice literature. Only I mean, recently like changing um, and then you have this other literature that kind of exists alongside that, which is memoir literature about uh, parenthood um, and that is you know it like as just as like um, the advice literature the expert advice literature um, tends to be all male um, the kind of memoiristic literature tends to be all female um, and so that I guess that's the kind of like um historical background. And I feel like um now we're in this moment of like just m- men, um, you know, for various reasons, right? Like this, you know, the structure of the workforce, like the structure of work itself, like my dad. Um had a job where he went to the office, you know, five days a week. Um, I have a job where I go to the office, you know, two or three times a week. Um, you know, all, for all these reasons, like, you know, I, I think there's, I think there's, <laughs> there's going to be kind of more men um, writing uh, sort of, um, you know, books about their experience as fathers, um, you know, as, we, as, as time goes on. Um, but I mean mine is kind of an early
1: one. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious how you wanted to situate yourself in the canon, or I mean, maybe there isn't quite a canon of books like the one you've just written, but um, how you how you interact with the fact that a lot of the books on parenting have historically been men telling mothers. How to parent? How did, like, I don't, I guess I'm, the question I'm trying to formulate has to do with, like, how did you think about y- your masculinity as like a virtue or a vice or your maleness, I guess, as a virtue or a vice in this, in this history?
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, but I mean, the book is definitely not, um it's not an advice book. <laughs> right. Sure. Right. It's, it's, it, I mean, it's, I think it's like, it's very much in the kind of memoir, uh, uh, I mean, there's some, like, discussion of, like, research and whatnot, but it's, like, um, it's, you know, it's, like, kind of my journey through, um, through parenting and the kind of dilemmas that I and we faced um, as we did that. You know, for, like, the, the kind of genesis of the book was this this essay on, um, on teaching Rafi Russian. Um, you know, that was something that I started writing when he was approaching three years old. And, um, and, you know, I'd been, I'd been sort of talking Russian to him since he was an infant, but like, as he was getting close to three, he's just started having a, a really interesting reaction to it. Like he started noticing that I was doing that. Um, sometimes he liked it. Sometimes he didn't like it. Um, he noticed that I was speaking English to Emily um and Russian to him, which is kind of amazing. Like, um, you know obviously, it had been going on for years, <laughs> but then one day he was like, "Oh, wait, you're you know you speak Russian to me, but you speak English to mama, so you do speak English um, And I don't know, so there was just like all this interesting stuff, and then it made me kind of go and and you know and do research about bilingualism and um which I found very interesting and and also kind of like think about my own you know relationship to to the russian language and and russia and so on um and that and that first essay was just it was that was something that i was doing um that emily was not doing um and i don't know that i just found it very interesting that kind of like the fact that you know if i had been a mom doing that it would have been you know well i would have done i would have done a better job <laughs> like moms. like you know it's it's a ugh. mom like moms tend to in the in the bilingual uh sphere the like if you have a mom speaking the language and the dad doesn't speak it versus uh our case where the dad meet speaks it and the mother does not like the f- mothers tend to Like the kid tends to learn the language better if it's the mother um probably just because they spend more time with the mother um or they like the mother mother better i I don't know (laughs) anyway um yeah so it was it was this uh yeah that like that didn't that one didn't strike me as like a particularly gendered uh subject um you know and then um the next one i wrote was about schools um that again was a kind of situation where uh we had just uh like during this period where so so when you um you live in new york the kind of entry point to the schools happens um in pre-k and you can change schools after that but like you know one would rather not and like a lot of you basically like. So, so pre-K is when kid is four. And so basically when the kid is three, you, you have to go and like go on all these tours um, to like visit the schools that you might attend Um, and, you know, decide whether, you know, whether you like them or um, whether, and and New York city makes you kind of make a list of your, makes you rank your schools and then they have an algorithm for assigning you um, to them. Um, anyway, so when we were going through this, um, Rafi was three and a half and Ilya, his brother was, was six months and it was just, and, and like all these tours are like eight in the morning. And anyway, I was deputized, um, by Emily to go to all these tours and, and kind of report back. Um, so I ended up being the one who was like seeing all these schools and, and, and having all these kind of interesting experiences at the tours, um, and various kind of dilemmas about, um, you know, and, and kind of seeing some of these schools that were like in really bad shape and were losing enrollment and were highly segregated. And then seeing these, uh, you know, seeing other schools that were, um, highly, you know, highly segregated in, in the other direction, they were mostly white um and doing fantastic <laughs> and uh very progressive and everybody's just you know having a great time and you know it's like one thing to kind of read about it um uh in the articles by uh nicole hannah jones but it's something to like go and like witness it um so that was the second one i wrote and then the third one to kind of really get to your question finally um the third one was about anger um and kind of my experience of getting angry um with Rafi when when you know he turned 3 and became like a real handful um which also happened to be uh right as Ilya was born so like a lot of Rafi's misbehavior um intersected with the moment of Ilya's maximum vulnerability um and it was just, that was just a tough time. Um, and, and, uh, you know, in terms of the kind of gender aspect of it, like I, you know, obviously, and, and, uh, various mothers have written about this mothers, moms get mad too, right? It's not just dads. Um, but there is a kind of particular quality to like a father's anger. I think both, um, you know both like within the in, within the family and also from the perspective of like a little kid um, you know I don't know if it's scarier necessarily like or, you know they're both scary in different ways but um, you know kind of sort of like my wrestling with that anger felt to me um, like something that I was really writing about from a from a father's perspective. Um, And that would be a different story from a mother's perspective, I think.
1: reservations about writing about fatherly anger because it seems to me that in some ways in the in the literature of parenting anger feels like the the third rail and in particular like (laughs) uh dad anger like occupies a certain kind of um maybe outsized role as like a as a negative thing um and i was I just wanted to hear you talk about deciding to get into it, and in a really in a really sort of honest forthright way about what it felt like to be discovering that part of your parenthood involved being really angry sometimes
0: yeah, I mean you know so the you know like part of what i found so have found so interesting about parenting is that it's it, it really kind of challenges your conception of yourself, right and um it's also you know for me, so I was forty when Rafi was born um you know it was, it was pretty late even by New York standards um, and I had kind of like settled a lot of questions for myself about you know like who I was and how I lived my life and kind of what I prioritized in my life, um, and then you know this kid shows up, and you really need to kind of decide those things all over again. So you know, this is so it's this you know it's this constant kind of interrogation. Like, is this the right thing? Is this the right thing for him? Is it the right thing for? us his parents was the right thing for me his dad um and then there's this kind of challenge to your self-conception um i you know and you know now like kind of looking back on it i'm like oh i've always been a kind of a angry person <laughs> um but i you know i don't know i thought i was like a patient person um, at least, and a nice person, you know. Um, you know the the like level of fury that Rafi was able to summon. And well, I, well, actually, let me go back a second. Like, so yeah, I, th- I thought I was a nice person, and I very much when I kind of when I thought about what I would be like as a dad, um, I very much imagined uh, like cool dad. Right. Like playful dad, um, which I think, you know, which is kind of the, you know, like, that's like the dad of TV commercials, right. Uh, <laughs> dad, you know, dad, wrestling with dad on the bed, you know, which we did, we, I did plenty of wrestling on the bed <laughs> with Raffi, but like, um, yeah, that was my self-image uh, as a, as a, you know, future parent when i thought of what i would be like as a dad um that's what i thought and you know but in in practice in mean, my experience that's that wasn't what i was like and i found that yeah rafi could make me so mad um and it was it was scary to me it was scary to him um scary to emily and yeah that was a, that was a tough year so i and you know, and I and I started. You know, the essays about that, but also like I'm. I'm you know, I started reading all this kind of advice literature, um, which was not something I had ever done. I'd never. You know, um, uh, that was not like a section of the bookstore that I <laughs> uh, spent a lot of time in. Um, and but here I was with this like situation where I was getting mad at my kid, and I didn't like it and he didn't like it and his mom didn't like it and um I had to I really wanted to stop um and so you know so I read a book where you know from this behaviorist named kasdan who said you know the thing to do is you know your kid misbehaves and you just ignore it because every time you get mad it just reinforces it and I thought that's great that's a great idea like that's and and this book was written in this kind of very, um, somewhat somewhat chiding, but like very scientific way. And he's like, you know, animal studies have proved that timeouts you know, <laughs> work in a particular way. And um, so, you know, so I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. That's what I'm going to do. That's the uh, new new dad, new Keith dad is a behaviorist. And, you know, and then I tried to do it and I found I, like I just couldn't hack it like i couldn't ignore like Rafi would like escalate I, I would like ignore one thing and he'd be like oh yeah <laughs> ignore this you know and he would you know throw a shoe at me or something um or, or he would do this thing that i i, I just found it so infuriating because it like pushed several buttons at once it was he would uh you know Ilya was was really little and um he would drink milk whether it would be like uh ex- expressed uh breast milk or just you know uh, whole milk um out of a out of a, this like squeezy little bottle and and Raffy would pick up this little so you so you could you know so it would it was squeezy so like it was it could squeeze it so that the milk would come out and um Raffy just loved like if it was just like sitting around somewhere in the living room he loved picking it up and just like spraying it everywhere and and i was like that is a you know that is a waste of milk <laughs> um and also you're getting milk all over the rug you know it was just like so upsetting on so many levels and like he would do that and i would just scream at him um and you know now in retrospect i'm like yeah it was very tempting because it was like a, like a little proto gun you know that could like shoot milk <laughs> i can see why rafi was tempted by it but at the time i found it Infuriating, um, so, yeah, so like the behaviorist stuff I gave up, I couldn't do it, and then you know I read this um you know from this kind of different tradition of like listening to your kid uh, there's this famous book called how to listen how to talk to your how to like how to listen so your kids will talk and how to talk so your kids will listen, I think that's it, or maybe it's reversed anyway, but that one is about um you know, saying like, "Why are you, why are you you know why are you behaving like this?" Like, tell me your the underlying emotion, right? Um, and then the kid talks about his emotions, and then like they feel better and they stop doing it. Um, and you know, Rafi just that he wasn't interested in that. <laughs> and I and I and again, I was not good at it. Like, I I couldn't really sell it to him. Um, this kind of empathetic like new empathetic dad. Um, like I, I didn't do a good job, uh, you know, kind of following those instructions and Rafi was not really a receptive audience. Um, so that didn't work either. And, um, you know, and finally I read this book that was like descriptive, um, by these uh, researchers from like kind of the fifties and sixties, though the books kept being, written, published, um, named, uh, Ames and Ilg. And they had this, uh, um, actually they were, actually they were women, uh, scientists who had, had been very influential, um, in their time. Um, so, so they, uh, they had this, um, research center where they, um, just watched kids and observed them. And, um, you know, uh, they had like a pretty, um, you know somewhat rigid but very helpful kind of theory of like development and and they were like, here's what a you know a, a, a three year- old does here's what a three and a half year old does you know and here's what a four-year-old does and um, those things were so close to what Rafi was doing and they just had these like really charming um but but you know very specific descriptions of these kids and the stuff they would say and the things that they thought about and and how they were scared of loud noises i I found that very interesting um so that book kind of um for me was the most helpful in terms of just like just trying to get into raffi's perspective a little bit and um kind of experience him a little bit more like this person who's going through a tough time rather than this little monster who refused to listen to me. Uh, And, but in terms of writing about it, it was just, it did like, like you say, like it's something it's, uh, it's kind of a taboo subject. Um, And I do think we kind of go around. um, Yeah. It's, it's this, it's this thing that's kind of not talked about very much or I hadn't seen it um talked about uh it was something that kind of dads would talk about a little among themselves um and sometimes you would see it (laughs) you would like see a dad lose his temper you would see moms lose their tempers too um but it really felt like I was like wow this has really not been described um in as kind of specific and you know um, straightforward a way as I would like to describe it. Um, And it did, it did feel a little like a little scary uh, to to publish that essay.
1: What felt important to you to get right and uh, about that, about like, you know, writing the experience of a a tough part of parenthood and like, how did you, did you ask sort of other people in your family for, like what they thought the important parts to get right were
0: oh well, um i mean not really uh yeah i mean that 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 one was so much kind of my you know my experience of you know being angry and then being, you know feeling bad about being angry and trying to figure out how to be less angry i mean there wasn't um there wasn't really anybody I could consult with about that. <laughs> um you know I I thought like you know the 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 to me the thing was just to be like maximally honest about it. Um and you know and to a certain extent everybody comes out looking not that great. Um but me I think I hope less great <laughs> than the, everybody else. Um I mean, I think, you know, I think for Emily, it was a little bit like, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much of this she got, but like, she must've gotten some people being like, how can you live with this monster, you know? <laughs> um, and then like, you know, Rafi in the future might, I, you know, I can see him reading that essay and being like, you know, you really make me sound like, um, a, you know, a jerk, right? Um, I hope or like not. a toddler. You know, <laughs> yeah i mean i hope yeah i like i hope he'll he'll take it in the spirit in which it was meant, which is like that he was you know just an energetic you know uh creative guy <laughs> um yeah and ultimately you know and i and i have like you know it, the the essay opens with these two instances where i like i mean one of them i like accident like i kind of was trying to kind of like protect myself and and uh infant from rafi, but i kind of like accidentally you know it sort of pushed him in the forehead um and he you know said that hit me um and that one was kind of ambiguous but like one time I I slapped him. he was really messing with Ilya um and like pulling on his head in a way that I found really scary and I said stop stop anyone stop and I slapped him on the wrist um which is you know like there's a an expression's you know, slapping someone on the wrist, which is considered like a mild punishment. A slap on the wrist is considered a mild punishment, but like I really slapped him, um, and on the wrist, <laughs> and um, you know, and he uh, again, you know, said, ran to to Emily and said, "Dada hit me." Um, you know, and I found like that was uh, scary to you know to kind of to write that and admit it. Um, and, you know, obviously I'm in this, like, uh, it's not like, a somebody's going to call child services on me. Um, you know, it's not scary in that way. Like I'm going to lose my kids, but like uh, you know, I think when you reveal, you know, um, stuff about yourself that's intimate and, and unflattering, that's you know, like it's a little a little scary. Yeah.
1: To what end did you feel like you wanted to do that? I'm I'm sort of like thinking back to where we started talking, which was about the cultural, historical context of this book and that this is sort of an early new entry of a father into the the memoir side of parenting writing. Like, to, mm-hmm. how did you imagine this risk that you were taking or this slightly scary thing that you were doing, um, like w- living in the world?
0: I mean, you know, I, uh, part of it was just, um, I wanted like I I couldn't stop thinking about this stuff. I couldn't stop talking about it to people. I would, you know, whatever I was like writing about at that time, I you know, I I found myself just like monologuing at <laughs> people about it. Um, but each of these things felt to me like Nobody's talking about this, right? Which, you know, in a way, like, is this um, kind of fallacy, right? It's like this, like enabling fallacy. Like you have to, obviously, you have to think that to write anything, <laughs> right? Um, uh, but in this, you know, I, um, I did earnestly feel that in this case, you know, I felt like, you know, even with even with schools, right? Which is the in a way the kind of most um, you know, uh, uh, you know segregated schools, right? and you know who is responsible who you know for that and 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 what can you do as like an individual parent? like you know that's a subject that's been written about a lot. Um, and yet I hadn't seen uh, you know like you know and uh, I, I hadn't seen like somebody describe it in the, in the way that I was seeing it, um, just kind of going school by school and, you know, not having a clear, um, way of doing the right thing, um, in that situation. Uh, so I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I did imagine, um, Just like getting this stuff out in the world and then um then people would talk to me about it that was my like it wasn't i wasn't like i hope to reach some dad out there you know and tell him he's not alone (laughs) um like that's great like i i if that happens i'm i'm thrilled um but it was more like i really want to talk to people about it how do i how do i get them to like talk to me about this stuff um I will write it down and like publish it and then they'll read it and they'll like want to talk to me about it that was that was the the real impulse (laughs) did it work Um, yeah I mean yeah here I am talking about it right now with you um yeah I mean I have had um probably more conversations um about parenting in the last month um you know, or as many conversations about parenting in the last month as I've had, you know, in the previous, you know, six years of Rafi's life.
1: Is this something you want to keep writing about?
0: Uh, Not at the moment. Um, It's such a different thing. You know, most of this stuff was written, you know, the book is called like the first five years. and. Um, or the subtitle is Raising Rafi, you know, Raising Rafi the first five years. Right. And, you know, actually kind of toward the end of the book, he's like actually turning six. It's, you got a bit of him as a six year old. Um, but so much, of, but but so much of it was written really when he was like three and four. Um, and at that time, it was really hard to, um, a like imagine him having any opinions on this stuff, uh, or perspective, right? Uh, it was very hard for him to articulate whatever his perspective was, insofar as he had one. I mean, he certainly had a perspective on stuff, but like, so so when he was little, it it was it really felt like I or we. Depending on the subject that we were making all these decisions, right? Do we teach him Russian? Do I teach him Russian? Do we, you know, do we send him to Russian class? Um, do we, you know, push him to play sports? Um, do we make him do his homework during Zoom school during the pandemic? Um, which school <laughs> do we sign him up for? Um, it was just like all these like decisions, and, and every single one of them uh, turned out to engage like all these different aspects of my personality, Emily's personality, um, the history of schooling <laughs> in America, um, the history of you know segregated segregation in America, um, or the history of Russia. Right? Why is this a country that like, keeps going through this stuff? And, and, you know, why did we leave? And having left, um, you know, isn't like the better part of valor to, 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 to leave for good and, and stop talking Russian and just kind of put that behind us and my family. Um, there were all these questions that we were deciding, Um, and that Rafi wasn't deciding, um, and that, you know, only we could articulate and that I tried to articulate in this book. Um, now it's just very different, you know, like he really is, like, he he just turned seven. He's very much his own person. Um, we still have a lot of, you know, input into his life and make a lot of decisions. Um, but it's far less intense, you know? And like, you can, you know, it's, it's, uh, or or at least that aspect, like that aspect of, oh, do we do this? You know, like, do we steer him in this direction or that direction is far less intense um, because he, you know, he very much has his own idea about things and, um, you know, can articulate it very forcefully. i don't see I don't see myself writing about it at least any time soon, and I think you know I, like you know even just like having the the experience of of Rafi reading the book um he hasn't read the whole book, but he just like looks at it once in a while, um it's lying around and like he was curious um you know and and you know some you know like sometimes he's kind of intrigued by the whole thing. Um other times he is mad because he feels like I violated his privacy. Um, and, you know, he had, he, uh, uh, had a, fun, a, a very funny comment um, the other day when um, he was looking at it. And uh, he said to Emily, he said, this shouldn't be called Raising Rafi. It should be called All of Data's Thoughts. <laughs> Um, which I thought was very insightful. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So just like having having Raffi as a as both as a reader um, and and also kind of his, he can write stuff um, if he feels like it. Uh, it makes the whole thing. You know. It makes makes me feel like uh, it's not my job anymore.
1: Thresholds is produced by Drew Broussard. Music and editing by Laura Faye Asherwood of Arthur Moon. Our art is by Lorelei Grossman. Special thanks to Justin Alvarez and our hosts at Lit Hub Radio. You can find out more about our show, listen to past episodes, and get in touch at our website. This is thresholds.com. If you're listening to this on a podcast platform and you haven't already subscribed, please subscribe. Or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you normally listen, and subscribe and review us there. Thanks. We'll see you next week.